So you're a fish company based in Wenatchee where your product's coming primarily from Alaska. Yes. Does that sound surprising? the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right. So today we're going to talk fish. I'm not going to talk fish. Well, I'll ask questions, but Sina's going to tell us about fish. So Sina, tell us about you first and then we'll talk fish. All right. No problem. I've been talking fish my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) My um, grandpa was a fisherman um, out of Ballard in um, Washington. Uh, he's from Norway. His uncle, his his brothers came over from Norway. He's from Norway. All the brothers each had a boat, um, all down at the locks. Okay. Um, so I'm very familiar with the. So I have to. I'm going to interrupt you. <laughs> uh, the, just the, we're off the rails within the first thirty seconds. My daughter Mackenzie did her senior year of high school in Norway. So oh. I know she'll want to know this question. Where in Norway was your grandfather from? I want to say. Oh, you're going to stump me on that Uh-oh. one, which is actually embarrassing. I want to say Oslo. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we're going to have to fact we're, check me now. If we're going to fact check you. Uh, we're gonna st- my parents will fact check me okay. right away. There you go. <laughs> Look for comments below for fact checking. Okay. So I'm sorry. So grandfather came over and uh, w- with his brothers and they had uh, Ballard Locks in that area. That's right. Okay. And my my his wife, my grandmother, is from Sweden. So she would want me to say that. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so we going to my grandparents' house, you know, binoculars on the windowsill as boats come and go from the locks. They're looking at who's there, what's going on. They're very much into in the Ballard lifestyle um, of fishing. Uh, my my dad would is a son-in-law, so um, their middle daughter and only daughter. Uh, when she got married, Mary, she got married. This is, I'm sorry. Now I need to speed up. We're going to take an hour here. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> Let's get the backstory because this is, this is actually kind of interesting. My um, dad got involved as the son-in-law. So okay. he uh, married my mom and then got an opportunity to fish on the boats. And like I said, at that time, it was a, basically a family of boats. Mm-hmm. Um, he was moved to um, my grandpa's brother's boat when it became time for the succession. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just managed it that way. Sure. So he started running a boat and he, his career, he fished the Alrita, um, which was my great uncle Otto's boat. Okay. And, um, did really well, um, fishing primarily Alaska, halibut and black cod. He's one of the first boats that switched over from primarily halibut to also catching black cod. Okay. Um, and then my husband, Rich got involved much the same way. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right around, to, you know, we got married and he was offered an opportunity to um, start fishing on the Alrida, which he did. Um, he fished on that boat for 10 years and then went into salmon. So that's the um, long, short story. Okay. So, <laughs> so a question I have is how big was the Alrida? 73 feet. So a, it was a typical longliner, a wooden schooner that what they would have called it, uh, the Alridas now, I want to say a hundred years. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. The Alrida was built the same year my mom was born. So mom's not a hundred. She's <laughs> going to fact, she's going to fact like 29, 29, 29 year old boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 75 year old 
um, wooden boats. And is that boat still in use? Still, um, the Alberta is still fishing. Wow. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to keep those wooden boats going. Okay. And what's your husband? What boat is he using now? Now he we have he fishes for salmon as well. So mm-hmm. he still has his quotas for halibut and black cod, but his, the boat he owns is a salmon boat. So much smaller salmon boats are one or two guys, more uh, 32 feet foot maximum. Oh. So much smaller um, boats. Okay. Um, and he fishes that himself and with his our son when he can. I have no clue about boats. <laughs> so you got a 32 foot boat out in Alaska. Uh-huh. Waters are crystal clear, calm. Nothing, Every day. Nothing, you know, all those TV shows that we've ever seen, nothing can go wrong. But I'm curious, because we're sitting, at the time we're recording this, we're sitting here in Wenatchee. Mm-hmm. So you're a fish company based in Wenatchee, where your product's coming primarily from Alaska. Yes. It, does that sound surprising? <laughs> it does. Until, well, it did when we first started talking. Now I understand why, which hopefully today will, other people will understand why too. My question is, because I know nothing, seriously, know nothing about the capacity of these boats. So how long is a 32-foot boat out on a typical adventure, if you will? I mean, I'm thinking Gilligan's Island three-day cruise. That's right. But seriously, how long are Um, they out for? The Each type of fish that you're fishing is regulated uh, you know, manage for sustainability, mm-hmm. especially in Alaska. Everything is managed for sustainability. And so every type of fish is going to man- be managed individually. So if if we're talking about salmon, it's managed with opening openings and closures. So they're looking at how much fish has come through escapement, how much how many fish are spawning in the upper river. Mm-hmm. So and then they're opening and closing the the commercial fishery based on that in real time. So What's very typical is if the run is progressing as expected and the fish are coming through as expected, they fish on a Monday and a Thursday. So two openers a week. They would start with 12 hour openers. Mm-hmm. It's about four hours away on a boat. So you would go, you would, you um, drive out in the boat. You'd probably anchor up the night before typically, okay. uh, sleep on the hook, wake up, start fishing at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. And then, um, so a 12-hour opener, you'd be out fishing for 12 hours. And then as the season progresses and if the numbers are reaching target and everything's looking good, they will go to 24 hours or 36 hours. So you can really kind of, uh, as a fishing family, you can understand how how good the run is by how much fishing time you're getting. Mm -hmm. Um, If the numbers aren't reaching the escapement values, they just simply won't have an opener that Monday. Okay, so city guy sitting here, and you said you, they sleep on the hook. That doesn't sound comfortable to me. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> that means the boat's anchored up. Okay. So the hook is the anchor. Okay. That's what I thought. But <laughs> it's <I've>, not comfortable. <laughs> so this isn't like a five-star hotel that they're sleeping on or anything like that? Okay. Um, they'll go and find it just depends they will where they fish for salmon is where the ocean meets the river so at the delta okay um, which for copper river is uh it's a 300 mile delta it's huge they call it the flats there's sandbars and flats it's very complex area you have to be very sophisticated in your navigation and then the sandbars change every year um so on the hook could be out in ocean swells or usually it would be tucked behind like a 
a sandbar or an island. And, um, but it can be a little bit, <laughs> a little bit wilder than you expect. <laughs> you're not, you're not encouraging me to go try this. Okay. <laughs> so we're talking Copper River at this point. That's right. Copper River has been marketed. Mm-hmm. I'll go that direction uh, as kind of one of the preeminent fish. Premium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alaska, you see, if you look at the Seattle Times, the first load of them coming in on Alaska Airlines, I, it almost looks like they're putting them in first class seats. I mean, it's just, oh, they make a big deal yeah, out of it. Absolutely. In your opinion, what makes Copper River salmon premium? Well, it is a big deal. Um, I know that it is, you know, some people like to wonder if it's, um, hype, but I would say the main thing is that, well, first off, we'll start with, they're the first salmon to run. So the reason you see them on first class coming down on Alaska airlines is because basically it's like the bell ringing of Alaska fisheries for the season. They are, they're the first fish to spawn. And so they're the first fish to run. And at that time, they're the only you know, first and only available in the world. So that's a, that's what makes it a big deal just on avail- availability. Um, but the Copper River is a huge, fast, deep, cold river. So this species of salmon put on extra fat to mm-hmm. get up that river. And the fat is in the form of omega-3s, which just happens to be both delicious and healthy. So that's <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, fish, for doing that. They put on the extra fat. So they're truly better. And that's the reason the marketing hype has worked so well. Way back, I wasn't involved when they started marketing Copper River um, salmon. They just sent it to chefs. And the chefs just started raving about it. Because if you taste it, Mm -hmm. it is that good. Okay. So that's Copper River salmon. Your husband fishes for other Varieties of fish as well. Uh, we do Copper River. That's at the mouth of the Delta. And then Prince William Soundfish would be other wild Alaskan salmon that's not um, Copper River. Okay. And so how long does that season typically run for? Well, that, like every every question about fish is... <laughs> I know. Very, lots of variables. <laughs> um, the permit that rich fishes that and the fish that we sell, there's actually five species that run. Okay. So you're fishing in the beginning is Copper River Sockeye and alongside is the Copper River King. They run together. Okay. Um, and then you have um, Copper River Coho in the fall. So that's your three Copper River species. You also have um, then in the Sound, <laughs> Prince William Sound, Sockeye, King. Um, so that's and then your pinks and your chum. So you're fishing in total at least five species. So when they're not fishing one, they're fishing another. Right. I can't even remember the question. <laughs> so how long is the season? Um, so, so coppers are the first. Coppers so. are the first. That starts mid-May. Okay. And then, um, well, for example, my husband just got home last week. Okay. So the end of September, they'll fish coho basically until um, the weather gets real bad and it's starting to snow up there. So Okay. So then the rest of the year, he just sits around and does nothing. Eats bonbons. Perfect. Okay. And then that's when you get to work. <laughs> Works on his honeydew list. Okay. <laughs> He's going to kill me for saying that. Okay. But th- so that's kind of his part of the, that's his role is he's the provider of the fish for the company. How's that? Is that a fair statement? I mean, not that's, his only role, but that's. that. Yes. He, he 
fishes. And then he also, within the last three years, we bought the small custom processing plant that cuts was cutting our fish. Okay. They were going to go out of business. We wouldn't have had anyone to cut our fish. Okay. So it's a big deal in Alaska if you can't find someone to process, process your, fish. your fish. So we bought that small business okay. and started a premium custom um, fish processing business. Okay. So we process ourselves everything for Cena Sea plus other um, small businesses up there, uh, people, you know, commercial fishermen or sport fishermen, we do a lot of custom processing. So really that really premium processing that was basically lacking up there. So, okay. So we do that as well. So he keeps himself really busy, basically from April through October, because we have to throw in halibut and black cod fishing in there too. Right. <laughs> so April, October, so six months of the year, he's working double time. Yes, at least. In the off season, for as far as the company goes, what does he do? Um, he keeps himself amazingly busy, but basically he he helps out where he can. You know, we're we're still shipping for C to C year round. Mm-hmm. So he helps out where he can with that. We used to do a lot of farmers markets. I'm sure we'll get to that. I used to have him shopping farmers markets when he wasn't fishing, <laughs> which people love. Um but since he runs the processing facility now, that takes up a lot of his time where he's still, um, you know, working with customers and getting ready for the next year. Okay. We've totally skipped over your background, though. Oh, yeah. We should do that. So too. <laughs> I, I had a plan. Uh, I said jokingly. Um, so what? Let's, let's talk about your background, because not only were you born into a fishing family, you have food background. That's right. So um, my Dad was a fisherman, and my mom, much like me, ran her own business and had three kids. Um, and she um, owned a health food store. So we grew up with healthy eating. Um, and, and where and did fish. you grow up? That would be on Vashon okay. Island. Uh, yeah, in, okay. in the Puget Sound. Um, so food, fish, all of that very interconnected for me. So when I went to school, I have a degree in um Nutrition and food science. Okay. Uh, for my undergraduate, and then at that time, um, I moved into the the more food science um, arena, away from kind of the the R D nutrition in a hospital. So then I have a master's degree from Oregon State for um, food and fermentation science. So at that point, I wasn't thinking I would go into fish. It just it just happened to be. When I got my master's degree, you need to be under a research scientist, um, you know, advisor. And I was looking around and and there was this advisor in the fisheries department. And he said, you know, looking for somebody to be comfortable going out on a boat and, and um, you know, doing work on fish. And it was like, oh, no brainer. I sent one email. Oh, yeah, I fish on my dad's boat in the summer times, you know, go up to Alaska and this and that. And um it was like, oh, no problem. So I got my master's degree um, there working at the um, Astoria Seafood Lab, which was really cool. So what is the Astoria Seafood Lab? I jokingly say Oregon's dead to us for the show, but <laughs> we're going to we're going to give it a pass this time. But what what is what went on at the Astoria Seafood Lab? So um, for my program, you know, um, Oregon State is big in food science world, which is 
really awesome. Uh, for my program, because it's fisheries and food science, they actually have a whole seafood lab out in Astoria, which would be on the coast from Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky enough to be there the first year of the big remodel. So it was a really nice new lab. And they have several professors out there that are doing real boots on the ground research at that lab facility. The other professor was working mostly on surimi, which would be um, like like uh, fake crab, crab, yeah, and products like that. So um, it was really neat because there is such a there's so much more than that to what you don't realize is going on at a place like Oregon State. Yeah, there's a big, um, you know, satellite laboratories and everything there. So I actually, for my, I did a year of um, graduate level classes on campus, and then they moved me out to Astoria where I did a year of um, research work. And then what did you do after graduating from Oregon State? Oh, at first I have to say this, which is really funny. <laughs> Um, the project I worked on was actually quantifying omega-3s in albacore tuna and with the, the, was for the West coast albacore tuna, which is amazing tuna, by the way, we, we ate a lot of it (laughs) as I was sampling So you weren't a poor college kid eating ramen. We was a poor college kid bringing home these (laughs) albacore tuna. I had taken samples of with a drill. At certain locations throughout, we had like five locations in the bellies and locations throughout. And then I'm using those core samples to quantify the omega-3s. Well, I'm bringing home the rest of the fish to Rich and we have, we're smoking them up. We have smoked bellies. And we ate a lot of amazing albacore tuna. But what's really kind of interesting is that research was um, a project by the West Coast albacore tuna people. They they said, hey, we want to promote our fish like Copper River is. Okay. And first we need to know the omega-3s, then we're going to, you know, put on this big campaign. And so it was really funny because that's how I knew of Copper River um, through my research. I never at that time imagined I would be (laughs) selling, promoting, and talking about Copper River down the road. All right. Uh, Okay. Takeaways from what you just said. (laughs) You were drilling holes in fish. You're bringing a lot of fish home. So I have two questions. You grew up in a fishing family. You're in a, you own a fishing company. Are you tired of fish? Me personally, yeah, personally right you. now? Oh, absolutely not. No really? way. Okay. No. All right. Second question then. So you're taking core samples is what right. you were doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. How does one test for omega? Th- I mean, what was the, the scientific process that was going on there to see what those omega-3 levels were. If you'd asked me this, say, um, 15 or 20 years ago, I'd give you a really technical answer. <laughs> but basically, you're, you're taking the fish and you're extracting the fat, which is a chemical process. So um, it was a under a hood, a very um, technical chemical process to then extract it all the way down to the, the oils. Mm-hmm. And then we had a... Oh, boy, if only I could remember the name. You can make it up. None of us will know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If I remembered the name, I'd be so impressed with myself right now. But um, <laughs> a machine that basically takes that, the oils, and then breaks it down into the fatty acid components and okay. the omega-3s. And when I run those samples, I w- remember um, 
I had a lawn chair. You had once you put it in, you can't leave. You're you have to. I can't remember what I had to do. But you you know, move chair. it around. <laughs> press play again. I have no idea. Um, but I had would do all nighters in oh. the lawn chair in the lab <laughs> because oh. chroma chromatography. Oh, if only I could think of that. That's really okay. impressive. We'll, we'll call word. it chromatography. It was very impressive at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to put you on the spot. It's just it was just very the way you described drilling holes in the fish and then taking it home. I'm like, wait a second, there has to be some some science going on here. Yeah, this was in, in uh, the the fish lab was a real laboratory. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you graduated from Oregon State. Mm-hmm. What What was next? Well, this is the only part of the story that doesn't involve fish. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I then. Went to what I like to call my my dream job was I was doing food science um, at Continental Mills in in Seattle, Tukwila area, mm-hmm. um, raw materials and um, testing. So I was very much into the equipment and the testing. You know, basically it's like everybody loves fluffy pancakes. What? How do you measure a fluffy pancake? How fluffy is too fluffy? How fluffy is not fluffy enough? How do you measure? The cell structure of a pancake, you know, <laughs> now we go to brownies, you know, what's too fudgy. I mean, it's really taking. Is there something that's too, f- I mean, really, let's, let's, let's that's a scientific question. I mean, I uh, when you're in the realm of pancakes and cookies and brownies, it's really interesting because it's all very much um, subjective. Uh-huh. So really I was, a big part of my role was um, looking at, okay, how do you objectively measure that? How do we know when <laughs> too fudgy is too fudgy? Right. For example, so things like if it doesn't rise over an inch, then it's a failed brownie. Okay, we all know all brownies are good no matter what. But <laughs> um, So I did I'm mostly moving towards statistical process control there where it's really focusing on quality and how do you control for that quality. Once again, a couple of questions come to mind. Number one, did you have a lawn chair? No lawn chairs no lawn, involved no at all. No lawn chairs in that one. Okay. Did Were you bringing home cookies and pancakes and brownies? Um, <laughs> and did you get tired of them? Those are the questions. <laughs> I, if I had to just, I would say nothing compares to the albacore tuna we brought okay. <laughs> Although now I take home Copper River King, so I, I'll take that. You'll take that. Um, but yeah, I, I took home, let's see, what did I... Different stuff. I mean, a lot of times, you know, a lot of what we were doing, it goes into a box, but um, it was, it, this was a food lab more like a kitchen, uh-huh. um, less chemicals and more deliciousness. So more let's deliciousness. say I brought home a lot of really good delicious. So did you, did you guys, were you involved in say, if they were coming out with say a, a, a mint brownie, you know, mm-hmm. were you mm-hmm. helping create new products or were you just refining existing products? Um, There were people there that I would consider much more on the artistic side. And when you're talking about food and recipes, that Mm -hmm. it's an art. So those creative types would have been um, on the development side. And I really would have come in at the um, processing side if they said, okay, this, this mint brownie. And I would go, well, how do you want it to be? And how do you want it to look and act? when it's good right what is success uh-huh. and how can we put then some measurements around that so that when we go produce it at multiple plants around the country then we know we've hit success so 
So okay. it's really, I was always on the um, scientist measurement objectivity side. All right. So I love to ask this question of guests. Normally I would ask it about your own company, but we're going to talk about your past <laughs> employer. No offense. <clears throat> were there any spectacular failures there that they, they came up with like, oh, this pumpkin brownie mix might be delicious. And it just could, they could never like, were there any failures? I would say I, 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 um, let me think really hard because yeah. <laughs> I probably wouldn't say anyways, cause I have a lot of friends there still. Well, no, and it's because we learn from it though. I mean, that's the right. whole point. It's not, not to make fun of them. We always learn from that, you know, that failure that. Like, I think that what, what we found was a lot of times it was the simplest batters that were the hardest to nail. Really? Um, you know, a lot of people know that corn dogs are very cheap. Right. You, you dip the hot dog in the batter. Well, things like that, we found that um, the viscosity, getting that exact viscosity is really important. You're going to dip it and lift it up. Right? right. And so there's certain products that are very simple sounding, but if you don't nail it, it's all this trouble down the road. So it's, okay. it's really, um, you know, it would have been some of those really simple um, products okay. that sometimes were challenging. All right. All right. So after Continental Mills, so now, now we go back to fish. Okay. Here's my bridge for okay. fish. <laughs> while we, while I was there mm -hmm. and we're living in the Seattle area, Rich was fishing. Okay. And when he would come home, we would sell fish to our friends and family. And okay. so it got to the point where, you know, I'm at, I'm at work and oh, Rich <laughs> is coming home. Now I have a spreadsheet and people are putting orders in and how many pounds do they want? And so it got to the point where, you know, Rich would spend like the, his first week home driving around um, delivering, delivering fish okay. and and I had a lot of people at work buying the fish and then he'd go up to Bell. You know, we have lots of friends and family. So it it was getting to the point where him delivering his fish um was like a little mini job when he got home. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the segue. This business was meant to, you know, make that easier. Okay. Which is I say laughing because now we work this business 365 days a year. <laughs> and extra on leap year. So how did you come up with a name? Oh, well, Cena C is um, fairly obvious, named after me. <laughs> uh, my middle initial is the letter C. Uh, oh, okay. My middle name is Camille, so my initial is the letter C. Uh, but here, there's more backstory. There's always more backstory. Uh, being in a fishing family, it is traditional to name your boats after your um, wives and daughters. Okay. So my my parents have pleasure boats. Okay. And so uh, my dad's retired now. So his first boat was a small um, pleasure boat named after my little sister, Liza B. Okay. And then he bought a bigger version. So then he named it after his second daughter, middle daughter, that's me. And he named it Cena C. And so... He's the one that first took my name with my middle initial and he changed it from the letter C to S-E-A. Right. Because it just looked better on the back of a boat. Okay. He said it made it more seaworthy. <laughs> 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 so they had the boat named Cena C. Okay. S-E-N-A-S-E-A. -E -E and so when, um, when we 
one day driving to Thanksgiving decided to um, start this business. <laughs> Is that how it went on the on the way to Thanksgiving? Let's yep. let's okay. Oh yeah, it was a nine hour drive, so we had oh. the business completely lined up. Oh my out. gosh! Okay, nine hour. Okay, all right. We showed up at Thanksgiving. We told my family, "Hey, we're going to start a business, and it's going to be called Cena C." So the the name came was right with the business. And how does Dad feel about you stealing his boat's name? Oh, he, even though it's your name, he loves it. He okay. wants to paint the logo on his zodiac. <laughs> okay, all right. So, what year was that that you started? That was um, I I feel like I do know the year, <laughs> <laughs> but the years. Uh, 2014. 2014. Okay. So you've been in business about seven years at this point. Yeah. Okay. And two of those years is through a pandemic. So we'll probably touch on that at some point. Right. So how'd you get started? So when you decided, you know, you decided we're going to go, we're going to open a a fish business. Yeah. I was telling Rich on the way to Thanksgiving, you know, he's on the marketing um, association committee where they market Copper River fish. And I'm going, well, you should do this and you guys should do that and you should market it like this. And um, he was like, yeah, you should. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely should. Okay. (laughs) So, um, sorry, Mike. It's all good. (laughs) Um, So when we set out, I was thought back to the times where we were kind of schlepping fish around to our friends and family and the work it was. And I had this idea, we'll put a website up and people can order fish and we'll, we'll figure out how to ship it mm-hmm. and it will be easier on us to get that fish out. I, I, I'm a logistics quality, like you've heard before, you know, mm-hmm. this, um, so it's all about how to get the premium fish that we have in our freezer and had at that point, I mean, we'd been fishing for 20 years and Mm -hmm. we've always had premium fish in our freezer. So really taking kind of my food science background into account was how do we get, what's the most premium way? How do we get what we're accustomed to into other people's freezer Mm -hmm. on a consistent basis? And so it really kind of started from there is What's second best to us driving around the state, hand-delivering our fish? <laughs> um, and so that's how we we um, we started a website, and the idea was we would ship, mm-hmm. um, which we did. We started the website um, that night that it went live. You know, we were like, woohoo, pop the champagne, and it and like this business is officially started, and it was crickets crickets mm-hmm. <laughs> we were very had never done this before had never started a website before um very much like uh okay <laughs> what now <laughs> so luckily we had a large um rich and i have a large friend and family group mm-hmm. so probably the the most correct thing we did was put it out we sent it on our personal emails out to our friend and family group. Hey, we did this thing. We started this business. Check it out. Go on the website. And that first summer, I you know we knew personally ninety five percent of the orders that that okay. came through, which really helped because there was a big shipping learning curve. <laughs> Sending frozen fish turns out was is really difficult. We have come a long ways from where we started but it's very technical um, we're always fine-tuning and we definitely didn't nail it coming out of the box no pun uh, yeah. intended <laughs> okay so 
let's talk about shipping today then. Let's just let's just jump around here. If somebody were to order a box of fish from you, wherever they may be, somewhere in Washington State, somewhere not in Washington State, what's the process? So we ship we ship we love shipping to Washington State, but we also ship nationally. So we ship to Florida, we ship to New York, we ship quite a bit um to New York. And we ship every box, we still have that real premium quality in mind. So Mm -hmm. every single box, we want them to open up and go, oh my goodness, this is amazing. So we have um, cube cardboard boxes because cubes are the most efficient to keep cold, the most efficient shape to keep cold. Okay. Um, And then we have um, insulated foam. So we have sustainable foam that we're really proud of because we fish sustainably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our business is about sustainability. It's important to us that we we do our best to, um, you know, we don't use styrofoam. We're using sustainable foam and doing kind of what we can there. So you, you'll see a sustainable foam. It's made out of um, cornstarch. I have to, I, when we first got it, my kids were so excited. I told them, you can eat it. And so they do, they walk up and take a bite out of it. (laughs) And now I have to tell them, hey, please don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) For one, it doesn't taste good. And two, you know, those are pre cut to (laughs) the right size. So, how did you find the sustainable insulated material? Um, That came to us through more of our friend and family network um, that first year, as we're really, I don't want to say struggling, but working to figure out how to ship frozen mm-hmm. fish. Um, it was just through our friend network, which we, we have a lot of <laughs> a big friend network. Um, and in his job, he's an engineer and he's a packaging, packaging engineer. Okay. Anyways, for a big company in Seattle. And so he used his network and found, helped us find it, this, this company. And it was really cool, really good fit. And they've been um, really awesome to work with. So we kind of work with the the sizing. They did some testing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then we've, we have suggested them to other people. We're very open, you know, we're not secretive about what we're doing and it's important to us to see less styrofoam Mm -hmm. so we're spreading the the word about um about them to anybody that will listen so it's basically what we call it would it be biodegradable biodegradable and cardboard is recyclable yeah yeah the foam dissolves in water or it's compostable and then um cardboard Right. right so it's packaged here so i guess one thing we haven't talked about yet a lot of things we haven't talked about but as we're recording this, we're sitting in Wenatchee, which seems at, on the surface to be an odd place to have a fish right. company. What was the decision to to open here? Um, well, Rich and I grew up in, in the Seattle area in mm-hmm. Puget Sound. And so basically, um, we like to call it the sunny side of the mountains. <laughs> um, we just love the weather here. Okay. It's, it's all the seasons. We love... Um, you know, we love winter sports because if you think about our lifestyle, that's when Rich is home and mm-hmm. we have our family time is winter time. So we ski and snowmobile and do a lot of um, cross country and winter sports. Okay. So we love being in the snow. Um, and then Rich jokes because, um, you know, he's in Alaska all summer, which is basically like winter. Or <laughs> <laughs> it rains almost every single day, even in the summer. We go up there and visit him for four to six weeks and he gets to come home usually for seven to 10 days. And so 
He likes that really nice, warm seven to ten days. Not the west side <laughs> where it's hit or miss. Okay. Right. He might. So f- for him, he's already spending half the year in Cordova where it rains a lot. So it's really nice to kind of get out of that. Okay. Um, but we're still all, we have a lot of family in the Seattle area and mm-hmm. friends. And so uh, we're only a couple hours. So it's really ideal for us. We really enjoy it. Okay. And how long have you been here in the? We've been here for, um, Oh, boy, 10 years, 10 to 15 years. Okay. So you've seen a lot of changes in the Wenatchee area. Yeah. And we we raise our kids out here. Yeah. So, okay. So we're packing. But now we transition back. <laughs> Grind those. We don't, we don't shift. We don't shift smoothly in the show. So you're packaging here locally in Wenatchee. Um, you're shipping anywhere throughout Washington State and nationally. Mm-hmm. Do you ship internationally? No. Yeah. Because we use the dry ice. Okay. So. so everything has to get there in one day and and the the labeling is very um highly regulated for the dry ice. Okay. So one day shipping. So if I ordered something and I lived in Las Vegas and you shipped it on Tuesday, I would receive it on Wednesday. Yes, but I, uh, we always ship on Mondays because we receive a big shipment of dry ice. It's all oh. about the dry ice. Dry ice is sublimating or evaporating. Mhm. All the you know, from day one. Right. And so we get, we get that delivery on Monday at noon mm-hmm. and we are packing boxes. Okay. And because it is going away as we speak. So dry ice is a very interesting um, <laughs> <laughs> product to deal with. Okay. It keeps fish very cold. But so we ship on, on Mondays. So okay. you'll get it um, on Tuesday. On Tuesday. So UPS is really busy on Mondays then here. You're, yeah, you're we show up with a van and they're like, oh, she's back. <laughs> she's back. <laughs> okay. So currently, what fish products are you selling? So because we freeze in the peak of the season, we bring fish in, um, cut it into six ounce portions, primarily um, wrap in parchment paper so it doesn't touch plastic, vacuum seal individually. And then freeze 20 below. So very premium freezing process. But we're doing that throughout the season mm-hmm. as the fish comes in peak of freshness, of course. Um, so as we're doing that, we are um, we're selling what we, you know, some fish mm-hmm. and the rest we are basically stockpiling in the freezer. Mm-hmm. So we are the rest of the winter. We'll be selling what we have produced all summer. Right. So. You got Copper River. We've got. We just sold out a Copper River King. It's amazing. It lasted this long. We actually had a very good King year. Okay. Um, usually it sells out within the month that's caught. Why? Why is what's? Why is Copper River King kind of the preeminent? It's just the premium. Uh, it has the highest fat content and fish. F- fat content is the measuring stick, much like beef. Mm-hmm. Um, fat content being the measuring stick. Copper River King is is the best of the best. Okay. And it really is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's just not as abundant as this Copper River sockeye. So they both start on opening day mid-May, but by mid-June, the Copper River King run is over. They're done. Mm-hmm. And the Copper River sockeye will run into mid-July. Okay. So you're... At the time of recording, you're currently out of that. But what else do you? We have Copper River Sockeye, which is really our our bread and butter. 
the Copper River sockeye is the gorgeous red color, the high omega-3s, the bold flavor. And that's, you know, we put up a lot of that as we can. So we're really working with, you know, we're, we're boots on the ground. We know the openers. We know how it's going. We know when to um, put the fish up. We also um, smoke on abundance. So like I mentioned, the five species, whichever one, there's always one that's really going off one year, maybe is lower one year and going off big the other year. So we will use that. Whatever's abundant that year is what will what we'll end up getting smoked. Okay. Um, so the Copper River sockeye was, we had a big, nice run. So we also have the smoked in jars. So Copper River salmon um, smoked and in a jar and shelf stable, no refrigeration. Okay. Um, and things like um, locks. So we've been, we kind of are always working on those other products as well. Some diversification, if you right. will. Right. Okay. And then we have the Copper River coho, um, halibut, black cod. Mm-hmm. Those are our main um, products. But with those, say, four fish, it's amazing that we have, um, I don't know, 50 products. We oh. also do things like um, scrape the backbone of the fish. So on Copper River sockeye. We'll scrape with a spoon. So you're already filleting the fish to portion it out. Mm-hmm. And then you have a backbone, which would be waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just take a spoon. This is something Alaskans have been doing for generations, um, but not on a commercial level. So an Alaskan at home would maybe scrape the backbone with a spoon. So we're scraping that with a spoon, and then you get this little bit of meat that was stuck to the backbone. Mm-hmm. Well, you do that enough times for enough hours on all these backbones and you have what we call, it would be called scrape meat in Alaska, but we call it chop because we didn't think scrape that sounded. Meat doesn't sound really appetizing. I'll be <laughs> right. honest with you. I was like, mm. On a marketing side is like, Hmm. Yeah. So we call it chop and um, it's just boneless, skinless meat. Mm-hmm. And we call it chopped because it's like it's been chopped. Right. And so you can use it um, for patties and in soups and stews and things like that. So that's one example of, you know, halibut, black cod, same thing. When we have the little tiny pieces that we've cut away, instead of just throwing it away or having it be waste, we're going to find a product for that. You're being really efficient with the, right. with the, with the source. Okay. Right. We do things like smoke the tails and we have um, s- smoke spread. So we put it in the cream cheese spread. Oh. So really all of this fish is being utilized. Mm-hmm. We make patties out of the scraped meat as well. So we're really um, all season you know, during the peak of the season, we're we're doing a lot of things that mm-hmm. are, we're going to make products out of or utilize all winter long. Okay. Somehow during all of this, the word farmers market came up, and we oh. haven't we haven't. So we're gonna. <laughs> we're, so when you guys started, you were selling to friends and family at first, right? How did the farmers markets <laughs> come in? You're laughing, so there's got to be a story here. So how did how the farmers markets come in? Well, it has a lot to do with the crickets we heard off from the website. <laughs> it's it's July and Rich is up fishing and he's going, hey, how are things going down there? I'm going, well, you know, um, going okay. We need to sell, uh, looks like a lot more fish. <laughs> and um, he says, oh, I, I, you should try farmer's markets. And I've been to farmer's markets, but I had no idea how to sell at a farmer's market. And so, um, that was, it was like, great. Cause I love learning curves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a, a friend who helped me and we figured out the ins and outs. And we started at, um, in Wenatchee at the Pibus farmer's market was the first one we ever did. Okay. Um, and that was fun. 
I wouldn't say it was, you know, off the bat. It it takes a while to get people, especially in Wenatchee, to go, okay, wait, fish in Wenatchee? Wait, hold right. on. And, you know, the idea that we, ha- we have connection to a real fisherman, he's in Alaska, he's sending it down here. Mm-hmm. The idea that premium fish that we're selling nationally can just be found at your local farmer's market. That took a minute but now we have a real following there. Okay. Uh, we've kept up with that one for this whole time. So it's it's really to think about where we started there and the following that we have now is really incredible. But that worked well enough that we said, okay, let's let's do this. And we um, started doing other Seattle farmers markets. Uh, we, we did Wenatchee and Roslyn and we did several in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did the um, University District, West Seattle, Mercer Island, a lot of farmers markets, Cap, uh, Capitol Hill, um, several others, and at the peak of our farmers marketing, we had um, we were doing sometimes twelve in a week. That's a lot of farmers markets. We had help to help right. run them, but it's a lot of work. My kids, we would go up, to, we go up to Alaska in july usually and fish on the boat with dad and things like that and then we come back and they'd be going to farmers markets with mom they got a real good education on what it takes uh-huh we were working really hard i tell the kids i mean you're up at four in the morning loading up the car you know getting ready it's a full big day i would tell the kids weren't the market look around at all you know every vendor here these are the hardest working people you yeah. will find they are Working hard. <laughs> so a question, because you brought up the kids. How old were you when you first went fishing? How, how old were you when, when your dad said, come on the boat, go, go out and sleep well, on the hook? <laughs> <laughs> it's real different for me than for our kids because my dad was on uh, long liners. So there would be a crew of five and these are not just like, hey, yeah, I'd like to try fishing. These are... Um, uh, career fishermen mm-hmm. and these are valued spots on a boat and you're going up to Alaska. So I, you know, we, we went down to the boat a lot when we were young. Cause you, cause my dad worked on the boat every winter, mm-hmm. all winter, and you have to go check on the boat all the time. Okay. <laughs> and so we were on the boat a lot, but the first time I went fishing on the boat, I would have, would have been this summer when I was in the summers of high school and college. Okay. I would go out. Sometimes he'd fish off the coast of Washington. So I started doing that. And then I'd fly up um, to Alaska, take a trip. And then a lot of time we'd time it. So I would um, take the boat ride down the inside passage on the oh, okay. Arita, which was fun and, and considered quality time. Right. So how long is that? How long is that? It takes about a week. Okay. So how about your kids? How have they, you mentioned earlier, your son goes up fishing. So um, how old? Were they when they started going on the boat? I mean, did you introduce them real young to yeah. being around the boats? Yeah. yeah, that is a big part of um, when Rich made the switch from long liners um, to salmon fishing. A big push of that was um, you're fishing on smaller boats. It's a really is more of a family style fishing. Okay. Um, we purposely bought a boat. Our our boat's considered um, big. It has a big um, sleeping area. Mm-hmm. So, and we did that on purpose because we wanted to fish with the family. So, um, since I think Rich got his salmon permit in 2008. Mm-hmm. And so we've been bringing the kids up from the beginning. We have, 
we have stories of the kids in the box. So we take the grub on the boat, which would be bringing the food on the boat in a cardboard box. And then after we've eaten the food, the kids are like rolling around in this cardboard box (laughs) 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 and coloring in it and things. We have photos of our youngest sitting on the, on the galley table strapped into her little, um, like, you know, table, a high chair that sits on the table and a little tray. And she's sitting there eating her little green beans. And in the back is an iceberg floating by. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Do the kids like fish? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you you know, (laughs) so farmer's markets, you were doing at, at, see, see, I warned you we bounce around a lot. No worries. Listeners are kind of like, so you were doing 12 of those. That seems like a logistical nightmare. That's yeah, that's a good word. Are you Well, the elephant in the room for all these episodes has been the pandemic. Everyone's mm, right. adapted, pivoted, whatever word you want to use. For your business what happened during the pandemic? You weren't doing farmers markets. Website right. could still work during the pandemic. You could still right. ship boxes. I mean, maybe maybe the pandemic was good for business. I don't know. But it curtailed the farmer's markets. Right. For sure. So how have you guys adapted, you know, that? We, it, the, the timing, I'd say, worked for us in some regard because we'd, we'd already had, by the time the pandemic hit, we'd had um, over five years of shipping perishable good experience the web website is running well um (laughs) even when i we were putting a lot of work into the farmer's market the website and shipping was never forgotten i was Mm -hmm. always really working that um i put a lot of personal energy into that side Mm -hmm. so to that end when um all of a sudden you know the farmer's markets aren't we'd are we'd already scaled back several markets so we'd already scaled and we're really having, um, we were at our, you know, our favorite markets, mm-hmm. um, but the shipping was working. Okay. So that is, I think the biggest benefit for us was that, that, that pivot was um, moving to something that was already proven and successful. We didn't have to scramble and figure out how to ship fish really quick, Okay, how to convert our website. Mm-hmm. We already had a website, we had it going and was like, Hey, why don't you just, um, you know, we're not going to be at the market. But Mostly uh, that was about, you know, our staff and we had market vendor, you know, booth operators that weren't comfortable. So as soon as they, it was all based on their comfort level, they weren't comfortable going and the markets are shutting down. All of that was like immediately back on our website mm-hmm. and Hey, we can ship it to your door. All and right. a lot of people appreciate that. We, we, those times, I mean, everybody has these memories of the early times of the pandemic. We <laughs> were shipping as a family. So uh, me, Rich, the kids, we were shipping still every Monday, just like we always had. Our orders, you know, quadrupled overnight. Oh. And we didn't have staff. Um, we didn't, you know, we weren't, Plus. we were isolated, you know, mm-hmm. the world. We just shipped as a family unit. So we brought the kids in and... um shipped that way for that time so okay now we're gonna start asking you some questions about you about the family and all that just general questions but the first question i have is what's your favorite way to prepare copper river salmon 
Oh boy. Um, well, <laughs> I, I prepare all different ways because we eat it a lot. Okay. <laughs> but I will say my dad's been working on me a lot of times when the Copper River hits you and we have the fresh coming down and, you know, big deal, big start of the season is the time that my parents will come and just help me out. Rich is gone fishing, right? help me with the kids and this and that. So often they're around when I, the benefit for them is they're at my house when I bring down fresh Copper River, <laughs> Saka and King. So okay. <laughs> it's a win-win for everybody. It ruins. And so then my, my dad and I have kind of these grilling, you know, conversations, we'll call it, about the best grilling methodology. Okay. And he has won me over in the last two years on a no flip grill. So putting it on the grill, I will, he's a, he's a real, like, he'll do salt and pepper, maybe. Okay. He's a minimalist. Purist. 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 Yeah. Okay. So I like to do a fancy little marinade. I will do um, olive oil, a little, I like to have a little bit of like, Vinegar or balsamic, something with a little kick, a little lemon, a little garlic, okay. something green, uh, green onions, uh, cilantro, something chopped up. So okay. I'll make a little something like that. I'll first salt the fish on its own, just mm. like meat. Mm-hmm. Once it's defrosted, cut it out of the package, put some salt on right away. Mm-hmm. Nice coarse salt and let that soak in like meat. It's tenderizing and brings flavor. Then I'm going to put that light um, kind of dressing on it. Mm-hmm. Put it on the grill, skin down right on the grill, mm-hmm. and don't flip it. Hot grill. Hot grill. Hot grill. Hot grill, maybe eight, ten minutes. And you don't flip it. No flip. So this so, took me a while. I, to I was going to say, because you're not, you're not, I mean, it's not that you're not selling me on it, but I'm like, really? Mm. So, so how did, okay, so glad to say that, I'm glad to hear that you say it took you a while. So, what was your dad's reasoning for like, Saying this. Right. So, and like I said, it took me a while. If you imagine now flipping it, what you're going to lose basically any seasoning is going to get burnt off. But the real reason, because like you know, he's a purist, he doesn't, he hadn't put any seasoning on it anyways. Right. In his opinion, the fat is going to drip out of it. Oh, well, that does make sense though. Right. So you're losing some of that fat. We already know the fat is. Right. End all be all in fish. Right. So it could dry it out. So really, you're kind of, Cooking off any seasoning, you're letting any drop of fat drip out, and then you're kind of taking your spatula and tearing it up a bit as you flip it. Right. So you might get grill marks, but you're you're kind of losing okay a few things for those grill marks. So it took me a while because I love grill marks. Okay, um, but with that lid closed and the nice dressing on top, I I no longer miss it because it, also you're not getting an overcooked top. Okay. What do you like to pair with Copper River salmon? What's a good complimentary? Oh, well, Copper River sockeye is a spring fish, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that it goes so well on the grill with a lot of spring veggies. These days, I'll put any veggie. I love grilled vegetables. Okay. Um, so I grill onions. I'm really into green onions Okay. on the grill. Just thrown on there. And I'm trying to think of any spring veggies. Oh, asparagus. Asparagus, okay. It's very, you see that with, with Copper River Sockeye a lot. And it's the it's the seasonality. But I love that on the grill too. Do you, do you drink wine? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, is there, what beverage pairs well, in your opinion? 
Well, I I like a white wine okay. uh, with fish. I think that it doesn't overpower. Um, I like red wine too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't not drink a red wine with it, but I would, a red wine goes best with a really robust flavor, which Copper River Sockeye is, is you're pushing it to your, it's pretty robust flavor. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to get away with red wine, I'd probably do it with Copper River Sockeye, but, um, you could probably do red or white with that. Okay. So you don't, you really don't get tired of fish? No. And everybody, you know, is skeptical like if my kids really actually like fish uh-huh. and um you know the thing is we eat not just fish but we eat really good fish <laughs> okay so so my my comparison to this is that so when i was a kid growing up my dad worked for nabisco and we literally had a garage full of nabisco products wow sounds great right, yeah, right. i can't stand them <laughs> It's because I would come home from school and literally go out to the garage and go, hmm, I'll have this, I'll have this. And I, I, my friends thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I would like gladly trade them for like homemade cookies. Right. You know, because my mom, my mom didn't bake. Well, right. we had a garage right. full of Nabisco stuff. And so I grew up with unlimited access to that. Right. And I didn't appreciate it. Right. So I'm drawing the, the comparison in my life. To I would I get tired of it? not just not right. because it's fish, right. but you could say we you know any product. So like really, your kids didn't get tired of it. They're not tired of it. Um, I would say like maybe if you went like, hey, would you like a big steak tonight? Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I don't cook a big hunk of meat that often. So that's a special occasion. So that though. might be like your home baked cookies, right? Um, where it would be like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, when we go out to eat, here's the true test. Yeah. My kids order fish and chips. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So speaking of going out to eat, this is where we always like to ask our guests, like, what do you do when you're not doing the thing that you're doing? Right. Good fish and chips in Wenatchee? Are there? Got any recommendations? Oh, boy. Or in the... Well, there's Captain's Cod. I have yet to try that. Which is good. Okay. And we know them. So, um, so that's a caveat. food truck. That's a, that's a food truck though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's see a local town. food truck. They've done really well. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the same thing. They had the same, I would guess, um, stigma about like seafood in Wenatchee. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, he is a, it was just until doing this, he, he was a fisherman. Okay. So that's their connection. So, okay. But, um, what else? We eat at home a lot because think no. of our freezer. <laughs> right, right. So I'm surprised you haven't mastered fish and chips at home. Well, you know, <laughs> I have this one rule where you don't spend a lot of time working on a like a homemade product that you can't do any better than you can, okay. you know, go out and buy. Like there's certain things that I, I used to make homemade pumpkin pie, but I can't beat Costco's. So... I'm not going to put the work in if I can't quite hit it. So I do a lot of fish, but not fish and chips. Okay. All right. So you mentioned earlier the winter sports and you mentioned snowmobiling and that. Where's some, uh, I'm not asking you to tell us your secret snowmobiling spots, but where's, where's some good spots? Where do you, where do you guys go? Well, uh, we snowmobile up in Indiana. Okay. 
And so that's where we started out when we moved here. We live really um, rural, 20 miles up and up the river road in Indiana. Oh, wow. So that's, that's our, that's our special place. And okay. Rich does a lot of snowmobiling around there, which is um, apparently world-class snowmobiling. I prefer skiing myself. So where do you like to ski? Uh, Mission Ridge, of course. Mission, okay. Yeah. Where, if, besides Mission, where, where, do you, are you like a, you like Crystal or? I grew up skiing Crystal. Okay. Um, and so I love, I love Crystal. I think I wouldn't recognize Crystal anymore these days. Uh-huh. Um, you know, with the, I've heard about the growth. I haven't even been since, you know, I've been, haven't even been since two gondolas ago, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's radically different than, than right. Yeah. Right. Well, so missions change a lot though, too. Oh, I think mission has done a really nice job of, of really staying true to it. It is a true family mountain. Our kids have learned to ski there. So it's, it's always will remain a special place. Are the kids skiers or snowboarders? Uh, we had the key, the kids all started skiing. I told them, okay, that's, I'll take that on. You know, I've taught them to ski lessons, Mm -hmm. you know, and then our son did want to do snowboarding. I said, no problem, but uh, my job is done, so go figure it out. And he taught himself to snowboard, and he loves it. Okay, so that's great. Yeah, I've never. I mean, skiing never was my thing. Never, never got the hang of it. The very first time I ever went skiing was up at Crystal, and I, I don't know what's the baby chair that they had. Back? Oh yeah, like the Daisy. Yeah, and I dropped my poles. <laughs> Sounds horrible. It was it was <laughs> abject failure, and you, I just never really for. I then went one time. I went skiing in, in Crested Butte, Colorado, uh-huh. and somebody I was taking a ski lesson, and we're kind of standing on this berm, and somebody came down the mountain out of control, hit me, knocked me off like an eight foot berm, and oh. I screwed up my knee. And I was like, you just, know what, this this isn't for me. It's, it's not, cold. I'll go sit in the bar. Um, it just wasn't. Right. Yeah, you but, really, you kind of have to start young Yeah, when you're low to the ground and made of rubber and you don't get hurt. Right, right. <laughs> you master it then. Right. And then that's, you know, you're a skier for life. Okay. So. What else do you guys like to do for fun and excitement around wintertime? Well, we love, you know, just local hikes, um, but that would be non-winter. <laughs> so um, where's a where's a non-winter hike you like? Oh, gall. Um, I don't know of the names. I just kind okay. of know places that- Have you ever done the enchantments? Oh, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. A little yeah. bit, which I love. My sister's up in Winthrop. And so, oh. and she's an actual hiker. We're just, I like to go for little walks. Right. But when we want to do an actual hike, I call her up. Okay. And she's the real deal. Okay. And she she takes us out. So, you grew up on Vashon. Mm-hmm. You ended up here in Wenatchee area. Your sister's up in Winthrop. Mm-hmm. Where'd the rest of the family go? Um, my other sister is in the Seattle area. So she's she still likes the great drizzle rain. Right. My parents are on Vashon. Still. Still. Okay. They have a really great network there. Oh, it's a beautiful place. But I mean, they've learned now they just have to come over to see us. They're, you know, next weekend they're going to drive around. They they do a route now. They go, well, they'll see my sister in Winthrop and then they'll come through and see us. Okay. So they, they're having to learn to accept <laughs> both sides of the mountain. Does Does your sister have kids? No, she's okay. She so the grandkids. So she wants they want to see the grandkids. They're coming. They're coming here. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or we'll go over there. Yeah. I don't think. Coffee. 
Well, I did grow up in Seattle. <laughs> Where do you like to go for coffee? Don't say home. You got to give me something other than home. <laughs> you can. You can. Um, I would say I am. I am not a brand loyalist. Okay. So I like to drink lots of different types of coffee. Okay. And I can't even think of the ones, but I would. I would say Pibus because we go there for the farmers market. But mm-hmm. I really love the. For me, it's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's where you can go. Well, say pre-pandemic with a friend, chit-chat right. and that kind of stuff. So something new. So I'm the kind that would be trying different So would you go shops. to Cafe Columbia then? Right. So yeah. they're, they're serving Blue Star Coffee out of Twisp. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Which is big. Mm-hmm. They're just moving into a new location. Oh, are they? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've just, um, I was in Twisp this summer. Well, have you been to their little coffee shop? I, well, I've heard a lot about it from my sister. Right. So they, they're, they're in this little warehouse space. Uh-huh. And they got a nice little coffee bar, but it's packed. Uh-huh. At the time we're recording this, they're actually closed for the week because they're moving their coffee bar into their new space, oh. just on the same same road, just uh-huh. on the other side. And it's okay. this nice. They've renovated a building. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. And uh, space is important now. Absolutely. Right. So, um, so when you travel around the state, any any. any not that everyone wants to leave Wenatchee. None of us. You see the billboards all around the state. Well, go to Wenatchee. It's so funny. I go, I was over in uh, Tacoma yesterday and I saw a billboard over there. I was like, geez. shaking my head, going, take those down. <laughs> don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, go somewhere else. But where else in the state do you like to go? Any other places? Oh. Fun and exciting? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm really horrible about having favorite places. Okay. But I do love pie. Okay. Home baked pie. So I would always, you know, prefer like a little cafe and and okay. um, I don't do a lot of baked treats, but if I was say at a cafe that specialized in a certain treat, I would have to try it. Any any places pop to mind? I'm trying to think. Um I um I'm horrible. I have to come back to that. Okay. It's well, like asking me dates. <laughs> what date was it? Okay. So what haven't I asked you? What haven't we talked about as far as, anything, you know, seeing a C? What is there something we overlooked unintentionally? Oh, God. What? Um... Well, actually, here's a question for you. Okay. Um, and you may not be able to answer this one. So preface, I may be stumping you. What's on the horizon for you guys, for the company? Any any plans you're going to branch out into something else or that you can, that you want to share or could share? Um, I really like just really micro fine tuning what we're doing to be really efficient and um, good at what we're doing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we put a lot of time and energy into, you know, customer care and you know relationships and all of that i think that in terms of a of a new direction as i'm talking to a a few people about um just talking with health coaches Mm -hmm. we have this incredible product i can't make any claims but we have customers that i i'm putting this in quotations this is on on some of our um like um reviews um magical health benefits. <laughs> okay. All right. And these are not verified by the FDA. Non-verified <laughs> statements. Yeah. So I I think that um 
kind of delving more into my nutrition side mm-hmm. and understanding that, um, you know, what we're, it's not just premium fish, but when you're talking about Copper River sockeye and things, you have the high omega threes. There's a, a lot of health uh, benefits mm-hmm. that I think you can't talk too much about. And, and I just feel like there's, there's always people looking for, um, kind of the next step on health benefits and what to find. And there's a lot of, you know, that we're there doing this. Okay. Did, what else didn't I ask? Well, I would say, um, just kind of along that lines, you know, uh, of the nutrition and the health benefits of eating fish is one of our core, core missions is just to get this premium fish into people's hands. So I think that I guess one more thing to touch on is our subscription program. Okay. Uh, when you go on the website, you can buy anything one time, anytime, mm-hmm. but we do offer this subscribe and save. And so this is really cool because you can um, get a box sent to you every Every one month, every two months, every three months. Okay. We keep the subscription really. It's it's not a trick. I'm not. We, you can quit anytime. You can change it. I I help people all the time. Go well. Let's go to this size box and this this every other month or something. I'm really trying to help our customers find the right amount of fish, mm-hmm. um, delivered to the door and in their freezer because when you have that healthy fish in your freezer, you'll eat more of it. It's just as simple as that. You know, to us, fast food is fish often. It defrosts in the amount of time I can make rice and I'm cooking it up. It's, it really is, um, it can be really fast, really mm-hmm. delicious, really healthy. So that's kind of this mission is just to um, find really easy way to get it to people's door and in their freezer all the time without thinking about it. And then they'll eat more of it. And then having the health, the health benefits of of eating a a high quality fish. Right. Okay. We'll put a link in the show notes to your website so people can check that out. Perfect. You know, we'll absolutely do that. And then um, I think at this point, I can say thank you for making me welcome here in your, in your space today. (laughs) And I look forward to following you guys and seeing what, what, what's next. Thank you. And I would also say, I would love people to um, go to the website and then jump on our, we have a VIP email list and I'm writing those emails and I'm talking about what's going on and what fi- what fish we're catching. So that's a really great way to be in the know on, um, you know, what's happening and what fish to buy. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.